0: Hey there, I'm Sasha. I'm a doctor, I'm a mom, and I'm a founder. I believe that women are overwhelmed and exhausted. So I founded a company called Brave Enough. Brave Enough helps thousands of women find clarity, set boundaries, and gain control of their lives. So welcome, sit back, and let's get into the good stuff. In the next several months, we are going to be bringing in some amazing conversations. These are conversations that I recorded with leaders, entrepreneurs, women physicians, lawyers, business leaders, thought leaders, content experts for the summit of 2020. And the conversations were so phenomenal and we received so many amazing feedback. 700 women listened to these conversations and just said, oh my gosh, we want them. We want them more. We want to hear them again. We want to listen again. So much wisdom there that we decided that we would go, we're going to play some of those conversations in the next several months on the Brave Enough show. So, If you know a woman in 2020 or 2021, who's like, hey, I need some encouragement. I need some wisdom. I need some truth bombs. I need some hope. (laughs) Encourage her to listen to the Brave Enough show. Share that message because here we go with some amazing conversations. I hope you are going to love it. In season three, episode eight, we again revisit the 2020 Brave Enough Summit when Sasha interviews Dr. Kalantari Dr. Kalantari is an internationally known speaker, author, and emergency medicine physician. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Okay, welcome to the Brave Enough Elevate Summit. I have an amazing guest on. You're going to love her. She is so inspiring. She has lived through and has bounced up from a lot of difficult things in her career and her and I share a lot of same struggles in our career. We've both experienced some significant um, bias and uh, discrimination at times and we're both Enneagram eights. And if you know anything about the Enneagram, that means that we can we are very we're defenders, um, and sometimes we get backlash. So when I'm having a day where I feel like I'm being attacked for being an Enneagram eight, I will text my friend A.K. and she's like, "Oh, I got your back." So let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Anahita Kalantari is an emergency medicine physician at Penn State in Hershey, and she is the associate program director of the residency, and she is really an expert in education and teaching people how to deliver education to adults, to graduate medical people. Um, And this is not an easy task and she's so good at it that she has been awarded multiple times. She has been received recently the American College of Emergency Physicians Teaching Fellowship Micro Teaching Award. She's also was awarded the American College of Emergency Physicians Faculty Educator of the Year Award. Hello in the whole country. Went to her. Um, she's phenomenal and she's an excellent lecturer and I hope that at some point if you ever have the time to actually hear her give a keynote from the stage she's incredible. And she has agreed to come on today and talk to us about a topic that I think we don't talk about or we're afraid to talk about and that is when is it time to walk away? When is it time to really be brave enough and courageous enough to know that you need to leave the environment you're in and to seek a different environment, whether that's a work environment, whether that's a home environment. A lot of times um, when we talk about things like this, we typically think about our career as women, but sometimes it's a friendship, right? It's a toxic friendship, a toxic relationship, um, a toxic work environment. And probably the hardest thing is to know like, when do I walk away from this? And when do I leave? And when is quitting Quitting the right thing so um, that's what I asked my good friend aK to come in and talk to us about today so welcome to the summit I'm so excited you're here
1: thank you for asking me I was I was so sad whenever we couldn't do the kind of live meeting in Scottsdale um, and then when I got the little email with this I was like yay so I am I'm so happy <laughs> to to be doing this in any way with you. So thank you for the ask.
0: So you and I have had several conversations about difficulties in in our work environments, um, in professional different situations and organizations, etc., where we've had to really kind of stand up for gender and gender equity. And it has come, I think for me and I know for you uh, with a price. There's a cost. There's a cost to standing up. Um, It would be wonderful if we could um, defend ethical, you know, issues around gender and around equity, or it would be awesome if we always got paid what we were deserved. But the truth is that we don't. And the truth is that you have to take a stand. And oftentimes when you're women like you and I, who are more assertive and direct on the spectrum that comes at a cost and at some point we have to make the decision whether or not it's healthy for us to stay in environments or situations that we are getting that backlash so i want you to talk to us today about about that about your own experiences share your own story as much as little as you want and how you navigated leaving and how you navigated maybe moving and maybe it doesn't even have to be leaving an institution, but maybe it's leaving a position for some people. Can you just talk to us and share some of your brilliance with us today? Oh, well, thank you. I'll, I'll do my best.
1: Um, so I think the, I was thinking about this really kind of long and hard of, you, you know, you said it, It's in one way, it's kind of viewed as quitting or viewed as a failure. And, um, and I think that's one issue is kind of like the narrative that we create in terms of how we even view whatever it is that's going on where we're considering leaving. Um, I think the other aspect of that is, and probably the most important aspect of that and the most difficult step is figuring out what, what is your narrative for yourself um, kind of thing? So whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a position at an institution, I think you have to first kind of consider like, well, what is it that I want for myself? And like a perfect example that I can think of um, probably on a smaller scale, um is that you know i always had this image of myself like oh i'm gonna be this like famous emergency medicine speaker like everybody's gonna know me i'm gonna get asked to to give talks at all these em conferences and then i found that within emergency medicine i don't know you know with other specialties um there's kind of this like group of people that I don't want to say control that, but they are kind of like gatekeepers um, in terms of you know whether you're going to get in or not, if you will. Right. So some of the major emergency medicine conferences I've been okay and I've I've had I've gotten the ask, but there are other ones and smaller conferences too held on by kind of private companies for you know like individuals who maybe run a blog or. Um, kind of do their own medical education or do something else on the side and kind of have their own little company now that they run these conferences for. And I found that I just wasn't getting any of these asks and I wasn't kind of fitting in um, with that. And I kind of took a step back and I was like, well, well, like why, what is it? It's not because I don't have skills in presenting um, I've won a bunch of awards, like I've already established that I can give a talk. Um, and so I really had to look into it. And I, and I think it kind of came down to one of those situations where you said, like, I'm assertive. Um, I tend to think differently than the masses. Like the way I interpret a study or the questions that I ask about a study or my opinions on a study might be a little bit stronger. Um, than some individuals care to hear. And, and so I, I kind of thought for a second, like, well, is this really what I want? Do I, do, I, do I really want this? Do I want to be kind of in a situation where I don't get to be who I want to be? Um, I'm putting in a lot, a lot of time, a lot of effort and you know, not making bank financially on all of this time that I'm putting in. So that I can be accepted into a group that's probably not going to accept me. And so I walked away from it. I just was kind of like, you know what? I just don't think it's worth kind of like the effort return ratio. The amount of effort that I'm putting in to kind of like get people to like me who never going to and, um, you know, all these, this work for like these talks that, it, I mean, it take, listen, ASAP asked me to update my infectious disease to talk and include just COVID stuff. The COVID stuff alone has been about 90 hours worth of work for me. So it's like all of this work that you're putting in, and then you're doing all of that effort. And in the end, it's like, well, what's the return? So I can say like, oh, I'm this famous whatever emergency medicine speaker, Right. So I think it has a lot to do with kind of reprioritizing like your own personal narrative. Like what is it, what are you getting out of it? And like the meaty things, not this kind of like esoteric imaginary status, if you will. Um, And I think that's applicable to a lot of other situations too. Like when you're talking about a toxic relationship, it's kind of like, well, what am I getting out of it? Like if I'm gonna put in, all of this kind of return and all of this effort but in the end it's toxic then then why like and so i think it takes a lot of reflection to kind of get down to that like underlying reason of why are you even in this to begin with is it really going to contribute to you in any kind of way that's going to like better you as a person better you in, in your career you know better you in your relationships at home better you as you know, a mother or a partner. And if it's something where, you know, that, that return on investment, and I don't mean to sound like all money ish about relationships and stuff, but it's kind of a relationship return on investment. Like if you're going to dump all of this time and effort into something and in the end get out like nothing, then I think it's time to walk away.
0: I, I think that you've set up a really a powerful way to approach relationship conflicts work conflicts toxic environments because you basically are saying you have the power to make those decisions you have to look at it from what are you getting out of it and your you have to embrace what is your personal narrative in this and that means you own the ability to leave and i think so many women stay in toxic work environments or work for toxic managers or toxic bosses, or they're in an environment that is so biased and so unhealthy, but they feel that they are powerless to leave. They feel because maybe they're the breadwinner and this is the only job for them in that environment or in their community that they have to stay. And I think that is that that is that's a false belief and but when you're in it you feel like you have to stay it's almost like being in an abusive relationship right like you're so you're like well this is just normal i guess i guess this is just my lot in life and that's why it's so important to be around women who can help empower you to and to say no you actually because what you're telling us is you have to look at it from your perspective. What am I getting out of this? What is my personal goals? What is, how does this align with my career to like goals or my relationship goals or my personal well being? Which is a really powerful place to start to, to think about should I leave, right? But when you're stuck in this and you think that there's no way out and you really believe that like, this is the only boss you can work for. Or this is the only institution that will hire you you are not in, you're not in an empowered mindset. And something you said that I think is so important, it reminded me of Carol Dweck, Dr. Carol Dweck, who's written the book uh, Mindset, which I know you've read, um, because you and I've talked about it. She talks about how if you have a child who maybe goes to kindergarten or first grade to a school and gets labeled as X, like this is the label of this kid. This is a kid that jacks around or has a learning issue or whatever the the biggest the best thing you can do if you're the parent of that child is to remove that child from that environment and put them in a new environment because other if you leave them what studies have shown is then they as they mature even if they have changed their behavior they're still that label has stayed with them during that entire school because people go to the lounges and they have conversations about these kids and then they get, you get a pre unconscious bias towards people. I think it's the same for us. Like, you know, you may go to a meeting, you, you know, you may, you may go to a meeting and you may speak up and be really assertive or, sh- or share something because you know a lot about the topic and all of a sudden you're labeled as difficult. And you, now you're in an environment where that's your label and every meeting you go to, People are going to be perhaps looking at you as oh sh- when she when you start to speak that you're difficult, and sometimes the best thing you can do is to leave is to go I got to start fresh, um, and I think that's especially true if there's conflict between you and leadership. What do you think about that?
1: No, I I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Um, you know, so like my situation where you know I switched jobs a few years back and um it wasn't something it's funny because like I again I thought about this too when we when we said we were going to talk about this and you know like when it when the situation first arose I was like wait what do you mean I had like no intention of leaving here and then I was like really upset and emotional and then you know I tried to work through things and then and then I'm like you know this just I got to go. I need to go somewhere where um, I can start fresh. Like part of that was, you know, I did own some of that narrative, again, that was created around me. Like when I finished residency and I came out as an attending, I wasn't like super, super nice. I mean, I wasn't like nasty, horrible, mean, um, but I think I probably teetered a little bit more towards... um, Intolerant, and I wasn't as mindful of kind of setting up a psychologically safe environment for those people who were around me. Like, I just didn't pay attention, right? Like, I just went in. It wasn't like a malicious thing. I just wasn't paying attention. I like went in, I did my job. When I wanted something done, I said it. I'm, you know, I moved on. I didn't really pause and kind of palpate, like, how am i moving through this am i moving like nicely and fluidly or am i making people feel like i'm karate chopping them as i'm like walking past them and and so i think it was probably more of the latter and it wasn't until i started actually kind of paying attention that i'm like oh wow uh i should probably change some things but at that point it was really hard it was really hard to kind of change what had already been established like I'm very confident that you know who I am today is obviously not who I was when I came out of residency 10 years ago um, but it it's really hard to change someone's opinion especially if that opinion is kind of already set and and then what's going to happen is kind of that um, confirmation bias right mm-hmm. so like anytime. time I would do something like nice or anything like that. No one's going to pay attention to that. It's only going to be the time that I go back to doing something that would make, that would basically be like, yeah, see, I told you, like, she's, this is just how she is. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you're in that kind of situation, like you do need to leave and it's, it's not necessarily quitting, but the other part of that too, Sasha is it's, it's not just feeling empowered to do it. I think there is a big fear of the unknown um, in general. A lot of people, whether it's good or bad, they are comfortable in what they know, even if what they know is bad, even if yes. it doesn't make them feel good, you know, even if it's like, oh man, this sucks, whatever the situation yeah. is, but I'm, I'm familiar see. with this situation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: and. And so it's kind of it's not only kind of doing that whole like, what is this worth to me what I'm putting into it versus what I'm getting out of it. But it's like, okay well, now that I clearly have to leave, um, do I have enough courage to do it? And the reason I say that is because probably like two to three years before I ended up leaving my workplace, I really wanted to leave my workplace um i was like interviewing at other places i got other job offers i didn't take them um prior to kind of the one meeting that uh kind of started the whole catalyst towards me leaving institutions i started putting my feelers out to like other people and i'm like you know i'm just not really happy And so when things kind of did happen for me, even though I was going through all of the like, what? I wasn't planning on leaving. I I was. Like I had interviewed at other places. (laughs) I had had talked to a bunch of other people because I wasn't happy. I just didn't have the courage to take that step forward to kind of be like, okay, well, you need to leave now. Like go, just get out of your comfort zone.
0: Yeah, and I I love that you, you are like flourishing and like you you've just like just skyrocketed in your new environment and um, not just within your institution, but you as a person in all these other national ways and that just shows that when you are limited in a in a space you know, you're limited in many aspects of your life and how you see yourself and your happiness and your internal peace. And I I wanna say, I don't, I'm not trying to be negative when I say this, but I'm trying to be uh, real. There will come a time, I think, in most of our careers um, that we will have to leave a, a certain environment, whether that's a department, a division, an institution, a relationship, whatever, to grow you just, you have to, like, it would be awesome if you could stay in one institution and grow a 30 year career and every promotion you just wanted, you got, and everybody saw you as a leader and can do, but as a woman, that's just not true. And I think that it's really important that women know they have options. Um, They have the ability to own their own career path and their own career trajectory. And that leaving sometimes is not a fail. It's, oftentimes not a failure. And I, I get, you know, and I know you do too. I probably get two, one to two emails a week from women who are in an environment that's not supportive and they're really fighting imposter syndrome because they're being told that they're not good at this or they don't have the experience for this, mm-hmm. or they're not right for this job. And they finally get courageous enough to like go for something and then they're rejected. And their question always is like, is it me? Or is it that do I need to leave? Like, is it is this true? Am I just not good enough? Or do you think maybe I should try to leave? And it breaks my heart because um, women are rejected all the times for things that they are more than capable of doing. They don't even many times women don't even get to put their name in the ring because they're their supervisor or their boss or they don't have a mentor or sponsor and I always want to say, like, can all of every candidate for every job has something they can improve on? So if you start think, if, if you're told, oh, you're, you're just not good enough, you're telling me that other people that applied for the job are like, are like perfect at no. But in our minds, when we get rejected, that's what we hear. Something's wrong with me. Oftentimes, it's something's wrong with how you're viewed. And that may not change unless you leave
1: it's true i mean it's it's entirely true it's all it's all about um you know i i think you and i have both uh, had the issue where like our intent misaligns with the perception um and and again it's kind of that well how is someone kind of perceiving this and um accepting this and you know if if you take a step back and And now listen, if you're, if you're kind of like blowing through doors, knocking them down, acting like a maniac and screaming and yelling and hollering and, you know, doing all of these things like, well, yeah, I mean, that's your fault. Right. But if you are, if you've taken the time to kind of hear the feedback that you've received from people, right. Hear the things that you need to work on. You have legitimately worked on them, right. You have, um, actually, uh, put effort into it and like real effort, right? Like maybe you did work with a coach, maybe you did um, uh, get some kind of book, a uh, workshop, you you did something and you're, you're reflecting and you're working on this and you're seeing that even with your change of your approach, even like objectively when everything you're doing really does fit the check boxes of like yes, this is appropriate, yes, you are qualified, and you're still kind of, you feel like you're being kind of pushed back and held back, then, I mean, the answer's there for you, right? This isn't one of those things where, you know, you are making mistakes, you do need to improve, and you're just like, oh, well, it's just because I'm a strong female. Like, no, no, that, that's not what it is like. There's always there's all the truth is always somewhere in the middle, right? So even if we think we're doing this amazing fantastic job and everything is perfect and it's just because we're a strong female Probably not at the same right. time You could be doing a lot of things very very right very very right um, and no one's perfect at anything And if you are being held to a completely different standard because you are a strong female, then you got to go. I mean, you got to go somewhere where you can spread your wings and you can fly because it's suffocating. I will tell you right or wrong, a lot of us in medicine, including men, actually, we get a lot of our self-worth from work and it's just you know it's this calling it's this very like altruistic we're here we're helping people i'm a doctor i save lives you know and and so it's kind of part of who we are um and when you are facing that kind of rejection and negativity and roadblock repeatedly over and over again it is going to affect your psyche and it is going to start to interfere with your self-worth and and that's a problem like you don't want to get to that point anywhere
0: yes that's so that's so true and you know all of us um whether we are more on the spectrum of more communal and team builders and collaborators or whether we're more assertive and direct leaders um, in our leadership you know attributes all of us have things that we're constantly working on like i hope that i would hope next year i'm a little better of a leader than I am this year, that I have, I, I've worked on my blind spots and I've worked on, you know, going down the growth path and staying off the stress path. And like, I think that's true, whether you're a woman, a man, anybody, we're always trying, we, we should be trying to improve. Um, I think sometimes when we get rejected from jobs or we get told no, or we're really, suf- or li- really limited or suffocating, suffocating is such a good word, because it's totally describes that feeling of being held back. We can convince ourselves that we're just not quite perfect enough. Well, newsflash, we aren't perfect. We're never going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you can't be working on yourself and also uh, going up for a promotion or trying a new job or a new opportunity at the same time. You can. You can do both of those things at the same time. So I love that you came on today and just really encouraged us to embrace our own our own like narrative and to not allow past mistakes or past interactions to define our future and our success and really gave us kind of the green light that sometimes quitting or quitting is like the best thing and leaving is the the healthiest thing for you. So any, what I'm asking everybody at the end, what has 2020 taught you the most?
1: Oh, geez. Um... I will tell you, uh, 2020 has really taught me to pare down what is really important. Like what is actually important? What is going to benefit me and my family um, in terms of like finances, mental well-being, um, again, that kind of return on investment, um, that has been a very 2020 thing for me because even in the past, when I'm like, fine, fine, I, they can reject me. It, it, it's okay, fine. I could still feel the hurt um, from it. And I, I know you know this because there have been times where like, I've called you or I've texted you where like when something upsetting happens, I go through like the stages of mourning. And, but then in the end, I always am solution oriented, right? Like there will be a problem with me whenever I go through one of those things, and I'm not solution oriented. That'll be the red flag. Um, but now I don't necessarily go through that emotional kind of roller coaster before I get to the solution. And and I think 2020 has done that for me because it's really helped me just get a little bit more grounded kind of reprioritize and and really just take a step back take a deep breath and figure out like what actually matters and uh and for that i am a little thankful but I, in general i would have done i would have been fine without a pandemic but you know I... like
0: <laughs> oh my gosh i love that advice it's so good and it warms my soul okay can i i have to I was wondering whether I should bring this up or not, but I have to end on this note because there's 500 women that are going to be listening to this. And okay, so oh when the med, when the med bikini, when med, <laughs> when med bikini like broke, and I, for those of you that are listening that don't know what I'm talking about, basically there was a study that came out that um, where some researchers spied, so to speak, a bunch made, of dudes, a, <laughs> a bunch of dudes made some. <laughs> fake accounts on social media and they spied on doctors and they said they spied on the professional behavior of doctors. And one of those professional behaviors was wearing a bikini and they um, said it was unprofessional. Well, the study has been pulled out, it's been revoked and all this. And there was a bunch of, you know, a lot of things written about it. And all I could think about (laughs) was like, there needs to be a 30 second video why don't i have it of ak in in the beautiful um where were we i can now i'm spacing where were we in february cayman island i want everyone to envision this ak goes to cayman islands for a conference <laughs> she is running full speed on the beach in her bikini with her two little boys who she brought with them, cause she's a super mom and they're racing on the beach. And we, and I mean, like she looked amazing. Like she's like, not just because she was in a bikini but because she's like running full speed and all of us are like, oh my gosh, we could, we would be like dead running like five feet. And she's like running with her boys in a bikini. And I was like, does someone have a video of that? Because that could be the answer. <laughs> I wanted to post i just wanted to post a 30 second video of you running on the beach with your boys full on sprint and being like take that med bikini this is all i have to say about med- <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't get that it trip was I- exhausting. that trip
1: was exhausting
0: <laughs> i thought i had a video of it on my phone but i must have deleted it and i was like texting everybody like does anybody have a video of ak i'm sure you would be like that's <sighs> going to be known for I'm like is me running (laughs) full speed in a bikini so it was amazing but it was such a powerful I wish I could have that powerful video of you but you are amazing and I love you and thank you for coming on and inspiring us and for those of you watching um give us some comments um that's what's amazing about this platform you can comment below and I will see you in the next session